Now, good and gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sisters and brothers, grace to you today and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Does anyone here enjoy going to meetings? You know, office meetings, committee meetings, faculty meetings, staff meetings. Do you ever have that uh, vague kind of longing for something that you just can't quite put your finger on and then suddenly it hits you? I wish I could be in a meeting. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. Life in Baptist churches, at least churches like this one, often involve meetings, team meetings, committee meetings, uh, congregation-wide meetings, and I'll tell you why. It's because Baptists embrace what is known as a congregational way of being church. By and large, Baptists believe in inviting everyone to listen and think, to discern and debate and pray and question and work out together what we think God means for the church to do, where the, the church, where the God means for the church to go. And sometimes, let's be honest, these meetings can be a little dull. Sometimes they're hilarious. And sometimes meetings can involve some conflict that even feels a little bit scary. The thing is, and of course many of us know, that conflict is a part of every natural relational system, especially systems that honor the members by inviting everybody to get in on the process together. And in communities like that, sooner or later, there is going to be a good old family fight. You can count on it. Unfortunately, in church, sometimes we approach conflict with each other in unhealthy ways and we get nasty and petty and destructive. Some of you here today may have experienced somewhere along the way the dreaded church business meeting from hell in which everything was hurtful and had little to do with the gospel of Christ. Listen to these painful words written by a fairly new Christian From a church in the Midwest, he wrote this. He said at our church's business meeting a few months ago, I could only sit there stunned and shocked by what I was hearing and seeing. People I had grown to love and respect were shouting at and accusing one another. I witnessed men and women saying things to each other that I never imagined possible in Christian community. Many have now left the church he said, and I'm not sure what I should do, but this experience has shaken me to the core and has made me wonder if I want to be part of any church. How many people do you know who aren't in church anymore because they couldn't stomach watching Christians rip each other to shreds? But our scripture text today from the book of Acts reminds us that the children of God can face conflict together faithfully and that the Christ who is always present can be powerfully present in conflict too. 
We're winding down our series of messages from Acts for almost nine weeks. We've been watching the believers in that very first Christian community to to see how their successes and struggles might inform our faith as we follow Jesus today. We'll finish our series next Sunday. Our text this morning tells of a major conflict Uh, among the earliest Christians and of how they brought their disagreements to a meeting where the Spirit of God met them in surprising and beautiful ways. So let's go back together. For them, it was the same old issue. It was the Gentile problem again, which was a huge issue in the early church. You may recall that the original Christians were all Jewish, Jesus was Jewish, and the early church was a Jewish movement. And they all just naturally assumed that this vibrant new experience of God that Christ had brought would exist within their own Jewish faith. But as we know, the Spirit of God is a wild Mustang, and it wasn't long before a Holy Spirit started kicking the slats out of the religion corral and bringing new life in Christ to Gentiles, people who didn't know anything about the Jewish way of life. This was terribly traumatic for Jewish Christians. They didn't understand it at all. At one point, the church down in Antioch was exploding with new growth as they started welcoming Gentiles into the church, which made the Jewish Christians back in Jerusalem Jerusalem, pretty anxious. And so they sent Barnabas to go check it out. And and you know what he did? He came back and he said, friends, this is real. God is doing something down there. And so all the Jewish believers learned to embrace it, or at least they thought they had. You know how it goes. The issues we think we have settled are not always settled at all. Old assumptions, old habits, old grudges, old prejudices usually go deeper in us than we realize. As God invites us to grow and to change, we may have to revisit some of those old assumptions again and again, and and that's okay. Well, now some 10 years have passed since those first Gentiles came into the church family, but now there's a new problem because so many of them are beginning to to come and arrive at the churches that they've begun to outnumber the original Jewish Christians. And whenever newcomers start to outnumber the long-timers, whenever a new way of, of being or doing things begins to take precedence over the old way, some anxiety is going to kick in. You can bet on it. In any system where real change starts to happen, some people are going to feel suddenly threatened. So, a group of Jewish Christians from Jerusalem go to Antioch to give a little instruction. Tell those Gentile Christians how things are done. We just want to lead you in a little Bible study, they say. And they open up their Bibles And they begin to teach some of the Gentile Christian men, if you are not circumcised according to the custom of Moses, then you can't be saved. And the Gentile men say, "Um, what was that one word you just used? Circumcised. What's that? 
And when somebody tells them, the Gentile men say, you want us to do what? Now, Paul and Barnabas, who are opposed to this requirement, get pretty worked up at that meeting. As Luke puts it, they had no small dissension and debate with them. Now, there are times for working out a little disagreement one-on-one. We have a problem with each other. Let's go talk together. But sometimes conflicts are so significant that the whole community needs to deal with it together. And this was one of those times. So a conference is called in Jerusalem with all the apostles and elders to hear both sides of the argument. Paul and Barnabas are there. Peter is there as well as some of the pro-circumcision folk. Pharisees who who had become believers but who still held to the strict party line of the Jewish Pharisees. And they came and they restated their position. Gentile followers uh, must follow the law of Moses and be circumcised or they're not really saved. But other people at that meeting decided to take a different approach. What they chose to do was to tell stories Peter does it first. He recalls in front of the whole group what he experienced in the house of the Italian Gentile man, Cornelius. And the longer he talks, the more fired up he gets until finally he asks his Pharisee brothers point blank, why are you trying to test God by placing a yoke on their necks that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? And then he drives home his main point. We believe, he said, that we are saved by nothing but grace and that so are they. Well, then Barnabas and Paul stand up and they tell stories too. And they don't lecture. They don't accuse. They tell what they've felt and seen and experienced God's miracles and wonders among the Gentiles. And when they sit down, James gets up, who was the brother of Jesus and the leader in the Jerusalem church. And what he says is, he says, you know what? These stories that we're listening to remind me of some scripture. And he quotes some words from the prophet Amos about how one day outsiders had come seeking God. And James summarizes it by saying, friends, friends, we shouldn't trouble our Gentile brothers about this. In fact, let's write them a letter and tell them so. But, he says, so that we can all keep having fellowship when we eat together, let's do ask them to keep some kosher food laws and no food offered to idols and, of course, no sexual immorality. And Luke tells us that when the church heard this, that all of them together agreed and the letter was written to the Gentile Christians in Antioch. This story today... This account is beautifully instructive in several ways about how conflict can be the opportunity for real gospel to happen. First, please notice that all of these believers did not allow the conflict to threaten relationship. They felt deep emotion and passion about this issue, but there's no indication that there was name-calling. Nobody suggests that anybody should leave. No Twitter campaign gets cranked up in this community. In Christian community, our differences, which are just a given, 
must never separate us from our common bond, which is the living Christ. Healthy conflict in the spirit of Jesus does not pose a threat to relationships. Second, notice that that these people used several sources to help them resolve the conflict. We see three of them in this story. They use scripture, they use tradition, and they use personal experience. Both sides quote the Bible in support of their viewpoint, and why not? You know, they bring their scriptures, we bring our scriptures, and we don't often admit this, but it really is true that you can support almost any position in the Bible depending on on the page you're reading from. But that doesn't mean we stop opening this book and wrestling together with what it says to our circumstances today. So they brought their Bibles to the meeting, and the Pharisee Christians also brought their source of tradition. They said, this is how we've always done things before. And you know what? That's not a bad thing to bring. Traditions are often carriers of great, great wisdom. But there are limits to the power of tradition. Sometimes traditions outlive their usefulness. Sometimes traditions get so confused with the truth they're supposed to represent, it's time to let them go. Traditions themselves are not the main thing. So Peter and Paul and Barnabas bring yet another source to the table. They bring the authority of personal fresh experience. They tell God's stories in this meeting. They tell what they've seen and heard and felt. Now, this also can be risky because sometimes our experiences can fool us, right? But real faith is always open to fresh experience because sometimes the Spirit will give us a new experience that's bigger than how we had understood the truth before, bigger than how we'd understood the Bible before. The Spirit sometimes leads us into surprising new territory. So three sources here for resolving conflict, scripture, tradition, experience. The Methodists would want to throw in reason here, and that's also wonderful. But the third and final thing I I want us to be sure not to miss about this particular conflict, and this is so important, is that it did not get resolved to everyone's satisfaction. Did, Did you notice that? Now, did they get the main thing right? Yeah. They declared, we're not going to require circumcision for salvation, which no doubt disappointed the Pharisees. But then they added, we will ask our Gentile brothers and sisters to keep the kosher food laws, which probably disappointed Paul. We never get it completely right in church, do we? But you know what? That's that's all right. Because part of faithful conflict is honoring each other, which is even more important than getting it perfectly right. We can stay in conversation together and not walk away from each other. We can forgive each other as God in Christ keeps forgiving us. And we didn't fall into that trap of declaring winners and losers. Never in the church. There are rich gifts to be found in struggling together with God's will. 
we've done that here in this church, even recently. And it can be scary and sometimes painful to, to experience conflict with people we love. But if we do it in a way that honors the other and honors the spirit and is honestly grappling with what God wants us to do, then that conflict will almost always lead us into a deeper purpose and freedom together. In the run-up to yesterday's anniversary of the moon landing, there have been documentaries and special programming on TV, some of which highlighted those who came before, uh, Armstrong and Aldrin and Collins. One of them was Chuck Yeager who as a young Air Force pilot became in 1947 the first to break the sound barrier at the age of 24. Others had tried before him, but they found that whenever they got the plane up near the speed of sound, the plane would begin to shake and shudder and and so violently that they would pull back. Well, Jaeger had a hunch. He began to wonder, what if when the pilot approaches the speed and is feeling the shaking instead of pulling back, could accelerate into it? And he tried it. He got up near that speed and the whole plane began to shake and he began to feel it, that wave of fear. But he accelerated into it and found on the other side an amazing calm. So with us, if we're trying to discern and follow God's will for for our church together, every now and then we're bound to face some conflict with people we love. And we may feel that shaking, may feel that, that fear. But if we're faithful to press through it together, the Spirit will lead us to the calm of stronger relationships than we had ever known before. When the early Christians finished their first real fight with one another, they left that meeting amazed to have found deeper, more authentic community. And so, are you in some kind of conflict these days? Don't be afraid to face it. Lean into it with Christ. And you'll find on the other side the peace of God beyond all our understanding. And so, gracious God, please help us to do the hard thing, the holy thing, and if it's your will, even the new thing. Thank you for the freedom to struggle together in pursuit of your will for us in Christ, who brings us through and leads us on. We pray it in his name. Amen.